Praise team. Amen. 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 I want you to turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter four. We are we launched into a series last week that I intended to be, I intended to preach one message and the Lord just really was, was working in this, beginning to work in my heart. So we're going to have a, a little mini series here. I don't know, we may go three or four weeks, may go five or six weeks. We'll see where the Lord takes us. But the, the last week's title was Sticks and Stones. That was the, the title of our message. And we looked at that this topic of judging versus condemnation. Um, this week, we're going to look at this. This is the title, is Speaking the Truth in Love. That, that's our title for today in this series of Sticks and Stones. So uh, as you're making your way to Ephesians chapter 4, I want to share something in, in way of kind of introduction here. Uh, so t- just a, a short story. So I heard about a guy who saw a sign in front of a house that said, Talking Dog for Sale. He rings the bell and the owner tells him the dog is in the backyard. The guy goes to the back and starts asking questions of the dog. Can you really talk, he says. Yep, the mutt replies. So what's your story? The dog look up, looks up and says, well, I discovered my gift of talking pretty young. So I told the CIA and in no time they had me sitting in rooms with world leaders because no one figured a dog would be eavesdropping. The travel really tired me out. So I signed up for a job at the airport to do some undercover security work. And now I'm just retired. The guy can't believe it. And he goes back and he asks the owner what he wants for the dog. And the owner says, $10. The guy says, are you serious? That dog is amazing. Why on earth are you selling him so cheap? The owner replies, he's nothing but a big fat liar. He didn't do any of that stuff. You can't believe a word he says. (laughs) So what we're talking about today is speaking the truth in love. And we want, you want people to tell you the truth, amen? I, I want, I want truth. I want people to speak truth to me. I don't. Candy coat or don't candy coat it. I want to hear the truth. I don't. I don't want beat around and well, not just mix it. I want to hear truth. So we're going back to last week just to recap kind of what we were looking at last week. We looked at this title of the the, the judging not, and the question was, you know, people will use that scripture it says judge not, and they they act like it says judge not. Period. And it doesn't, it's not judge not period, it's judge not comma, that you be not judged. And we're looking at that message with what's the heart of that passage. Does that really mean we as Christians should not judge? And what we understand is that's not what that passage means. Uh, We are to judge, but we are to judge righteously. We're to judge righteously, which requires us to live righteously. We, we must be walking with God in right relationship and fellowship with God, walking in the Spirit of God. Then we can judge and, and are even commanded to judge. And there are a lot of scriptures, if you'll, if you'll go and study that out, there's a lot of places where we as believers, we are to judge, but we are to judge righteously. You have to be right with the Lord yourself in order to righteously judge. And so you know, we're, we're commanded to do that, but we are commanded to judge those situations, discern the situations spiritually, not to condemn and, and the story we looked at of the woman caught in adultery, the Lord rebuked those for condemning the woman. They wanted to throw stones at her. He didn't, he didn't condemn them for the judgment that she had committed adultery because she had, in fact, committed adultery. So we understand that in, in context of that last week that we are to judge. And so as we wrapped up last week, one of the ways that, that we, we saw that we can respond when we do judge righteously 
And, and we are to judge righteously. When we see a situation where someone's walking in, in, in error of truth, error of the Scriptures, error in their life or whatever, then we righteously judge that and we see that and we discern that. We have a responsibility then to do something. And, and what that was was one of the things we talked about. It was Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. So that's what we want to look at this morning, speaking the truth in love. And what does that mean? How, how does that live out? So I hope that we can, I hope I'll be able to share something with you this morning that will help us all to, to do what God wants us to do in this area of speaking the truth in love. So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Y'all pray for me. Pray for me. I honestly feel like the Lord has given me a, a word for us this morning. And uh, I just, I just don't want to speak anything that's not what he would have me to speak. So I ask you to pray for me as, as I, I pray for our service. Father, we are grateful for this morning. It has been a blessing already to be in your house. There is excitement in the house of God this morning. There is enthusiasm in the house of God this morning. There is a, uh, even in the singing, there was a joyous uh, uplifting of these songs of praise to you this morning. Lord, I thank you for that. Uh, I, I, I've been encouraged uh, already for having been here. But Lord, now as we come to this very, very important and special time of our service as we open up the Word of God, Father, I pray that you would uh, help me to clearly communicate the message you've put on my heart and that you've prepared in me, Lord. Help me to, to, to communicate it and, and, and give it clarity, Lord. Where I'm unclear, I pray that the Holy Spirit will bring clarity. So, Lord, just guide my thoughts and my speech. and May I speak with confidence and boldness, not timidity, but, Lord, also with, with humility. And, Lord, just bless and use this today to draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, to understand this verse, we've got to look at it in context. I, I, as we see so many times, people will pull a verse out and they'll, they'll take that verse and then they'll, they'll take it out of the context. And when you understand this, you know, Scripture can never mean, it doesn't mean what, what it didn't mean for the original. If the author didn't intend that, we can't, it, it doesn't mean that today. Now, there are different applications, but there's not multiple meanings for a passage. When, when it's written, there's a purpose it's written. There's someone it was written to for a specific purpose. And Paul wrote this with, with a very specific purpose, and we're going to see that here in Ephesians chapter 4. And I want us to understand the context of that before we look at then how else we can apply this verse. So in these verses prior to the command to speak the truth in love, Paul writes about unity in the body of Christ. It's a big part of what Ephesians 4 is about. Verse 1, he says, and he urges the Ephesians and thus, thus us today, all Christians, to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. He wants us to walk worthy of that. He wants us to, you, look, if you're born again, walk like you're born again. It, 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 don't just talk it, live it. That's what he's saying. Walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Verses 2 and 3 describes this life as one in which we are to be humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love and making efforts toward unity. That's what we're to do. Verses 4 through 6, Paul reminds us that we all serve the same Lord and are put in the same body. We, we studied that just recently in 1 Corinthians. So we're talking about the body of Christ and how each one of us makes up a different part of the body. We're not all the head. We're not all the foot. We all have a part in the body. We have a place that God has prepared us four in the body. So then jump down to verse 11 and it says, he himself, who is he himself? He himself, the God has given us, he himself gave 
some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So God has given what? He's given some of us to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. He's given that for the body. Verses 12 and 13, for the equipping. Here's why he gave those people. It's why he gave people in those positions. It says right here, for the equipping of the saints... It's to equip us, all of us, to be equipped for what? For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. That word edifying is a a big word, a fancy word. It means building up. It's strengthening. It's building up the body. So God gave the apostles and prophets and uh, evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip us all, the body, the body, for the work of ministry to build up the body. And, and, and so the, the, the saints are being equipped to go out and do the work of the ministry. Amen. So is it simply my job and Pastor Aaron's job to do the work of the ministry? It's really not. Our job is equippers, our elders. It's a job of equipping. Now we serve. I'm going to be serving in the back during VBS. I'm going to be back there teaching the, I'm going to be a mad scientist for this week. I'm the mad scientist. You wait till you see my hair. You're going to love it. But, but, but that's a part of leading is serving. Listen, I'll say this. If you're not willing to serve, you're not qualified to lead. Thank you, preacher. That's good, preacher. That's good. If you're not willing to serve, if serving is beneath you, leadership is not for you. You're not qualified to lead if you're not willing to serve. And so it's important we as leaders, and that, that's why we take on that responsibility very seriously of, of serving because we are leaders. That's what our deacons do. They serve. They serve. But you, we all are here to do the work of the ministry. That's what this is talking about. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. He's talking there about maturity. So we're here. We're all, there's the different gifts that each one have is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. There's ministry to do here. There's ministry to do outside of here. And it's for all of us to be involved in that ministry. And it's all designed to bring us to maturity. We go out here and do ministry outside the walls to win the lost, to bring them into the body, which then strengthens the body. And then we work ministry within the church to grow them and, and, and build them up and train them so that now they grow. And it, again, it equips the body. It grows the body. It edifies. It builds up. It strengthens the body of Christ. All of that is God's plan to bring us all to maturity and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14 then, having reached maturity, we will not be spiritual infants. That's the goal, is that we're not spiritual infants and not easily deceived and tossed to and fro by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. There are people out there who are trying to deceive They're trying to deceive you. They're trying to deceive those that are outside the church. They don't want them coming to Christ. This is, folks, do not look at this world and think it's just all about the the things that you see. We're going to be learning this week about two kingdoms. We're going to be learning about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And and we're we're helping the kids, like in the science lab, we're going to be trying to help the kids understand that there's a lot of things going on that you can't see it. But it's there and it's real and helping them to figure out how to discern those things and learn those things and understand those things. That's what we want to we want to do. And we all have to be that way. Don't look out at this world and go, oh, it's just this. Understand where where the things of the world come from. It's all from the kingdom of darkness. The stuff you see going on in our world today, it's Satan at work through everything he can. 
to deceive this world and keep people from coming to faith in Christ, doing anything he can to usurp Christ and God Almighty and his authority, worship me. That's what he wants, okay? So don't be deceived and don't be tricked by men who are being used who are, or just useful idiots of Satan. That's a real phrase, a real thing. These useful idiots. We see it with socialism and communism through the years. Satan is using people out there to deceive other people. Be aware of that. So in this context of this verse, we, we come then to verse 14. It says, having reached maturity. I'm sorry, we're already there. So in the context of this, um, the context then of this passage is of church unity. That's what Paul's talking about here is church unity and spiritual maturity. And you know what? I, I'm thankful for this. We have great unity in this church. I, I've been in churches where there was, there was a lot of little backbiting and snipping here and there. I, I praise God and it's something that has to be, you have to watch it all the time. You got to be careful. You got to be careful of the things that you say or, 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 or whatever you're at. We got to guard against that because we don't want to have disunity in the church. And you know what? As we grow in maturity, we'll have less and less disunity. Amen? Because that's a sign of immaturity is when we have disunity. So we're going to have unity. And Paul writes here, then he says, in that context of church unity and spiritual maturity, he writes, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, uh, Christ. Rather than be spiritually immature and easily deceived, we are to speak the truth to one another with love so that we can all grow in maturity. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. So we should speak truth. We should speak truth in love to one another. And if we see an issue, we need to address it. Amen? I mean, if I got a problem in my life, don't let me continue to walk in a lie. Don't let me be deceived in something. Bring it to attention in, in the spirit of love, okay? We're to train one another in truth, the foundational gospel truths, truths about who God is and what He has called us to. Hard truths of correction. We are to speak these truths in, in love to one another. And our motivation to do so is love, okay? It's going to be key. You're going you're gonna, to... I don't want to get ahead of myself. So the love referred to in this verse is agape love. You understand we've talked about agape love before. Agape love is a self-sacrificial love that works for the benefit of the other. Okay? So it's not about me. It's about thee. It's not about sacrificial love. It's the love God had. What God so loved the world. What he did. His agape love, he sent his son to die for us. Agape love. He was self-sacrificing, self-giving. So we speak truth in order to build up, not to build up ourselves, but to build up the body of Christ. If someone is walking in error and it goes unaddressed, it is not strengthening the body, it is weakening the body. Amen? Right or wrong? Right. Okay. Verse 25. Jump down to verse 25. It says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Therefore, putting away lying. Now, I, I, I want to say something here. If, if, if we know something is wrong and we don't say anything, we turn, we, turn our, we turn from it, we don't address it, we don't deal with it, you know that's lying. We have a preacher lying when you say something that's not true. Not, not, not just saying something that's not true. When you know something is wrong, you know that there's, a, there's an issue and you turn a back to it, it's the same as you're not speaking the truth in love. Does that make sense? Y'all going, I got to think about that. 
So, so we go, well, I just don't want to, I don't want to hurt their feelings or I don't want to cause any trouble. But you see someone walking in error and you don't say anything. It's the same as a lie. Because you basically, you're now capitulating to their, to their error. What you're doing by not addressing it is saying, I know that and they know you know that and I'm not going to say anything. So I've endorsed what you're doing because I haven't said anything against it. Does that make a little more sense? Okay. Three people. <laughs> Y'all think about that. All right. Verse 29. Later down on in verse 29, Paul writes this. He says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. I love the King James says, let no corrupt communication. No corrupt communication. No corrupt word. We shouldn't be speaking corruption with our mouth. Don't let that proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, for building up? that it may impart grace to the hearers. Our words should be beneficial to the hearer. We should speak truth in love. All right, amen? Y'all with me now? Y'all with me so far? All right, if I've lost you, say amen. No. Are you trying to be the new Henry? Very often when this verse is quoted, it's used to say that we have to be, now catch this, we have to be loving when we, when we speak truth. That's the way the verse is, is used. We use it and you know what, you, you got to be very loving. Now when I use air quotes around loving, understand, try, try to get the picture of what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the sappy, mushy, emotional, you got, you, you with me? All right, so I'm talking about loving. That's what I'm talking about. All right, when I say loving with my air quotes. Um, and, and a lot of times that's the way this push. Well, you know, I don't want to say anything because I'm afraid they'll get offended. And if I say it and I don't say it the right way, they'll, they'll get offended. Because it's this idea of we have to be so loving, loving, got to be mushy and soft and, and unoffensive in any way in that. Okay. Now, certainly we should never go about, uh, go against the character of Christ. But is that really what the focus of this verse is on? Let me ask you this. I wonder how John the Baptist spoke to Herod and Herodias when he confronted their sin of adultery. You know, it makes me wonder if he was harsh and direct with them or, or was he more, you know, was he more subdued? I, I, don't, I don't know. We don't know. We're not given that interaction of exactly how John confronted it. But I'll tell you, it doesn't matter how John said it. When he told them they were living in adultery, it didn't matter how he said it. They were going to be offended by it and upset about it. And they were. They, they got mad about it. I can bet you this, I think John, when he confronted that sin of adultery with Herodias and Herod, he was anything but loving. You got it? You with me? Okay. Think about what Jesus, the times of things he called the Pharisees. You got to be loving, speak the truth in love, right? He called them hypocrites. That's a great word for loving conversation. He called them whitewashed tombs or sepulchers. Which you, what he was saying was, you look good on the outside, you're dead on the inside. He called them serpents. In fact, he called them a brood of vipers. That, 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 that's, such a, that's, that's so warm and fuzzy. That just makes me feel like a, a warm sweater, you know. <laughs> brood of vipers. He called them foolish and even sons of Satan. That was truth, but was it loving? Doesn't sound like it to me, but I hope that you're soon going to understand that it was. Okay, 
Jesus called uh, Peter, he called him Satan. They're having a, going along, you remember that? When he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, I, I imagine that hurt. When Peter heard that, you know, that hurt. That had to sting that, that Jesus calls him, get thee behind me, Satan. Can you imagine that? That's coming from Jesus. You know, in the context, I don't think Jesus said that in a soft, passive, loving way. That wasn't a mushy exchange that was going on right there. Amen? Yet, it was in love. Many today are hesitant to confront sin or to witness to lost people for fear of offending them. Maybe I'll say something wrong. I don't want to say or do something that might keep them from getting saved. So we fail to say anything at all. That's not the heart of this passage. That's not the heart of this passage. Folks, I believe there's a deeper meaning and application for us in this verse. First of all, let's look at love and truth. What is love? Well, put it uh, very simply, God is love. Amen? Now, God is love. 1 John 4, 16. And we have known and believed the, the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So God is love. And when we come into a saving relationship with God and the Holy Spirit is in us, then, then love abides within us. And, and God, uh, and then we're abiding in God. So there's this thing of God is love, his nature, his character, all of that. Today we hear a lot of this. We hear love is love. Love is love, and, and God is love, and, and that, that kind of mentality. Listen, what they're saying, they're not saying God is love. Here's what they're really saying. They're saying love is God, and they're defining, they're defining love as anything and everything they want to do, whatever they want to do in the area, of, uh, the area of sexual activity. You understand what I'm saying without getting, without getting too far down that road. You know what I, what I mean there. That's what this group is saying. Love, they're not saying God is love. And that, you know, if you love people, it doesn't matter what they are or who they are. You know, it doesn't, none of that matters as long as you love because love is love and God is love. That, that's, that's messed up. That's not what God says. God is love. And listen, uh, the real love, real love is never contrary to his nature or his character or his word. Real love. True love. The stuff we're, we're being, that's being pushed on us today about what all these things of love, that's not love. It's a perversion and it's a lie. God's love is going to be defined by God's nature. It will never be contrary to his nature, his character, or his word. If it is love, it is as God defines it, not how culture defines it. Amen? Agape love, it's sacrificial love, for the other person love, unselfish love, and love is a choice. Do you understand that? If you understand that, if you're married and you understand that, raise your hand. It's a choice. It's not always love, right? It's not always the warm and fuzzies. Sometimes love isn't always that way. Some mornings you get up and you go, I don't like him, but I love him. You know, right? Love's a choice. It's a choice. It's, it's not always about the sappy, mushy emotionalism. It's about choosing to love selflessly. That's what real love is. We should love like God as best we can. Love, uh, God is love, and love gave himself for us. Amen? 
2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Look, as we study the Word of God, as we, as we continue to learn the Word of God, we understand His nature, His character. We, can, we become more like Christ. You can't become like somebody you don't even know what He's like. It's important to get in the Word of God. So we know His character. We know His nature. We understand those things. And as we grow in the grace, you know what? When we grow in grace... It, we have grace then to confront things in a gracious way. We are more like Christ. We can confront them in a more Christ-like way. Amen? So that's love in a nutshell. That's love. God is love. His nature. All of that. His character. Who He is. We understand that's love. Now, what is truth? Well, Pilate asked Jesus that question. He said, what is truth? And Pilate didn't understand really what he, was, what he was asking. He didn't understand that. But the fact was, truth stood right before him when he asked the question. When he asked Jesus, what is truth? He was speaking to truth. He was speaking to the one who is true. Now, truth and facts are not the same thing. You have truth, and then there are facts. I'll come back with the air quotes again. Okay, so you, got, you want to understand this. Facts, information, knowledge. Do you know that knowledge and information and facts can, can double, like it, it doubles like every so many years? Or it might, might even be months at this point. But because there was a time where they'd say all of the information that we had, all of the, the knowledge we had, like every so many years it doubled. And you find out that things were facts in the past aren't, aren't really facts at all. We find out, they find out that's wrong. And so we, we find these things where uh, things are being pushed as fact, and then later on new technology, new information comes out, and they go, oh, that, well, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't really fact. And so our knowledge is growing exponentially. But listen, truth doesn't grow. Truth doesn't grow. It doesn't double every so many years because truth is truth. Truth is always true. It never changes truth. It's true. Now, some facts have changed over the years. Many facts are not facts at all. I mean, we can just look back over the last three years. There are a lot of facts about COVID that we know now were all a lot of lies. Okay? We found out about masks, the lies that were pushed about the facts of what masks do, and they, and they didn't do anything that they were pushed. Find out about vaccines and the things that are put, the facts of it, the facts they push. You've got to believe us because they're facts. Here's another good one. The government cares about you. <laughs> That's a, the fact that the government loves you and cares about you and has your best interest. Look, we understand those facts are not facts at all. But truth is truth and is always truth and does not change. That's truth. We understand love. We understand truth. Now, Scripture. Scripture de defines God as truth. John 3.33. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. So God is truth, okay? Scripture calls the Holy Spirit truth. John 16.13. However, when he, capital H, he, that's a part of the Trinity, one of the, 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 the triune God, the spirit of truth. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He's the spirit of truth. God is truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. Obviously, I don't even have to say that because if God is true, then the Holy Spirit is true and Jesus is true because the three are one. So when the Holy Spirit comes, the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. Scripture says the Bible is true. Psalms uh, 119, 
160 says the entirety of your word is truth. It's talking about God's word there. Your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Psalm 119, verse 43, and take not the word of truth utterly out of your mouth. The word of God, the spoken and the written word of God is truth. John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth. Well, what is truth? Your word is truth. Folks, we, you want truth? You want to know what truth is? Truth's right here. It's right here. Everything we need is right here. The truth is here. It's been revealed to us. Well, let's look at who is Jesus. According to the Word, John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, I remember that's probably the first verse that I ever read that without somebody telling me, it, it was one of those things where it was like God revealed something to me. You know, it's not the most deepest thing you'll ever find, but as a 13 or 14-year-old boy reading his Bible and reading there and going, why is the word, why is that capitalized? Oh, that's, that's Jesus. Jesus is the word. And, and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Anybody ever want to say Jesus isn't God? Go to John 1.1. He was with God. He is God. John, again, let's go to John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The word, the written word, the spoken word, and Jesus Christ is the word of God. He is the word of God made flesh. Uh, John 14, 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He made it very clear that he is truth and no one comes to the Father but through him. John 8, 32. And you shall know the and the shall make you free. You want to be free? You want to be free from sin? You want to, you want a relationship with Christ? You want to be born again and, and saved from your sin? It is only through a relationship with Christ, through truth. You know the truth. Who is the truth? The truth is Christ. He is the, he is the, he is the truth. So we, so we see who truth is. Well, let's look at even what it says about the, what is the church. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know uh, how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. What is our job as the church? It's to be the pillar and the ground of truth. We are to stand on the foundation of truth. And we are to hold to truth, folks. John, uh, 3 John 1, 4, John says this. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And that's what we want to do in this church. Amen? Amen? We want to walk in truth. We want to walk in the truth of the Word. Unadulterated truth from the Word of God. We want to walk in that. So again, truth is not just a concept. Truth is a person. And you spell truth J-E-S-U-S. -E Jesus is truth. Therefore, when we get to all that, looking at love, looking at truth, Jesus is love, Jesus is truth. And now Jesus is the standard bearer of truth. He is truth personified in human flesh. It's the Word became flesh. Amen? So Jesus became flesh. Jesus is the standard bearer. We look to Him and we see truth. We see the standard of truth. But He's not just the standard bearer. He is the standard itself. Jesus is truth. He is the standard of truth. And He bears that to us in human flesh. So now, with that in mind, let's go back to speaking the truth in love.
And, and believe it or not, I'm not far from being done. But here's the meat of this. Okay, this is the part you got you to gotta hang with me, okay? I, I, think, I, I think we've got something here that's going to help us. Now, when we start talking about truth, speaking the truth in love, there are potentially two extremes that we can go to. We can speak the truth, but not in love, which is, it's ungracious, okay? And, to speak, and truth spoken in that spirit often offends and does little good because it alienates the, the people who we're seeking to win. You understand that, right? You understand that? Or we can speak love, speak in love, and suppress the truth, which then is unfaithful. We're not faithful to the truth. We're not faithful to the scriptures. We're not faithful to God when we don't speak truth. People uh, who do not want to hurt someone's feelings may say nothing and allow a sinful situation to continue. So um, true love, true love, however, will always speak at the right time with the right words in the right spirit and using the right approach. Now, how do we do that? You know, how to preach or how do I know when's the right time? Well, if you're walking in a close relationship with the Lord, the Lord will prompt you. And, and you go, well, I'm worried about what to say. Don't worry about what to say. You pray up and you walk and you be walking right with God. And when the opportunities present themselves and you have an opera, you go, well, he was standing right there and we were having a conversation, but I just didn't feel like it was the right time. Maybe, maybe you just chickened out. Well, preacher, I didn't chicken it. You want the Lord to give you a better opportunity? Man, you were standing there talking to them. They were engaged with you in a conversation. Well, I was afraid I might say something wrong. We can't live like that. Walk in the Spirit that you not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. I want you, I'm going to put a slide up. And, and I want you to be able to look at this. And, and, and as I'm talking through the next little bit, maybe this is going to help you understand. But so when we're talking about speaking the truth over, over the, the line there, that line there is, 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 is in the middle. You see truth and love. Truth and love are like this. They are together. Truth and love. And that's what we're going to, we're going to look at this. That, that's together. Now, if I get too far over to the left, if I go too far over to the, I got them on the wrong side because liberals would be on the left. So <laughs> flip it around. All right, so if I, if I, let's just go, we go too far over to the right, okay, to the right, um, and, and I get on this side of truth, and it's not in a loving way, it's not from a place of love, it's just I want to be true, I want to be right, I want to show you what all I know, and I'm going to tell you how much you're wrong. That, that's not coming from a place of love at all, amen? So in, in speaking all truth, it may all be truth, but there's no, no, it's not coming from a place of love. And you know what happens is that becomes very legalistic. It becomes loveless. Okay? So I've moved away from truth and love, and uh, I'm over here just speaking truth with no love. Or I can swing the other way and go way over here to where it's all about the love. Now this is, this is where the, the false religions are coming from today. It's all about love. We don't need the truth. We don't need... That, that's old, archaic, true. Things have changed. You know, that's, that's not the way it is today. Folks, it doesn't change. You get over there in the love, and all of a sudden now it's, you've gone liberal, and you've gone truthless. And listen, if you go truthless, it's loveless too. Because you're not really loving. Now you've got a skewed love. So I want to, I as you look at that, and I explain some more of this to, to help you understand, you can look at that and kind of get an idea of where I'm coming from. 
So to go too far to one side or the other is to destroy both because truth and love are together. You don't have, Jesus is truth and Jesus is love. If I, if I leave one of those out and go too far to the other, I've destroyed the truth of that. I, I've destroyed both when I, when, I, when I lean too far to one or the other. Does that make sense? And all of a sudden now, I'm not really, I'm not really speaking truth of the God of the Bible because now I've changed who He is. He's not a loving God. Or I've changed over here. I've gone so, so far to the loving side that I'm not speaking the truth of, the, 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 of who, who God is. I've made another idol because it's all about love and it's not about truth. I'm going to read a, just one paragraph from a book by Eric Metaxas. It's called Letters to the American Church. He says, he says in here, speaking of this, this topic here, he says, uh, Truth and love are united in Him. To declare any truth in a way that steps away from God's love is to speak no truth at all, as well as to step away from the one who is truth. But to claim we are being loving when we step away from the truth of God is not to love at all, but only to fool ourselves into thinking we are being loving. It is also to step away from the one who is love. And when we love in this fallen human way, we are not blessing those whom we claim to be loving, but are in fact cursing them and damning them. There's no way around it. So not to speak an uncomfortable truth to someone who needs to hear it and giving the excuse that we are loving them is not to love them, but to harm them. Does that make sense? What a, what a great paragraph right there. Listen, so speaking the truth in love is not as much about having a gentle demeanor as it is about the way truth and love go hand in hand. Truth and love are together. Um, because we love one another, we must speak the truth. Because we know the truth, we must be people characterized by love. You see the balance? You see how the two go together? You have to be in the middle there. Truth and love. Now, love isn't always soft, mushy, you know, and or emotional. I, I think that's, that's why so many people in Hollywood and different... Well, it's not just Hollywood anymore. And who was it? Elizabeth Taylor was married seven times. It was all about emotion. It wasn't real love. Real love doesn't... Well, we fell in love and then we fell out of love three months later. We got married and three months later we fell out of love. You don't fall out of love. Again, love is a choice. That's emotionalism. That's infatuation. That's lust. Whatever it is, it's not love. That's not love. So love can be emotional. Don't get me wrong. It can be mushy. But that's not, that can be a part of, a byproduct of love. That's not, that's not what love is. That, that fluttering of your heart. Oh, Jean ain't in here. I was going to make a good joke on her. She said yesterday her heart started racing. We had some friends over and she said her heart started racing and she was wondering about the medication or something. And, and, and uh, I said, well, was that when I winked at you? She said, no. <laughs> so love isn't always soft and mushy and, unemo- and emotional. Jesus is love and Jesus is truth. Jesus was anything but weak. Amen? He, he, he could have... You know, sometimes Jesus was gentle. Sometimes Jesus was harsh. But the scriptures tell us that he was meek. It was meek. Now, what does meek mean? Well, meek means this. Meek is, meekness is strength under control. Jesus was strong. 
He, he, was, he, was, a, he was a perfect. He, he was strong and he was anything but weak. He was, but his strength was under control. And listen to this. His motives were always right. His motives were always right. Always from a place of love. So if he was harsh or if he was, you know, gentle, it came from a place of love, from a motive of love. You hear that? And that, my friends, is the key to this verse. Motive. Motive. Jesus always spoke the truth. He always did it from a motivation of love, and he did it with compassion. Not from the emotion of love, but from the motivation of love. If we're not motivated by love, truth grows cold, hard, and legalistic. There is no love and it destroys the truth. If truth is suppressed, it's not motivated from a place of real love and it destroys both truth and love. Truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. I really believe the idea here, the context of this, is that we speak the truth from a place of motivation of love. So, what do you mean, preacher? Motivated my love. What, what, what love? All right, well, let's talk about this. How about my love for Jesus to start out with? When I speak the truth, Jesus has told me to speak truth. If I love Jesus, I speak truth out of, out of a place of love for Him in being obedient to what He's asked me to do. Amen? I mean, Jesus, He gave everything for us. He, he expressed love in a way that we will never have to question what real love is. We see it. And, and if we've been born again, we ought to have a love in our heart for Jesus that what we want to do is we want to live our lives in a way that honors Him, that glorifies Him in every area of our life. And that starts with being obedient. Uh, um, O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. Anybody know that song? Obedience is the very best way to prove to show that you believe. Thank you. I knew the start. I can spell, but I couldn't. So it's obedience is a great way to show that you believe, to show that you really have a, a relationship with Christ, to show that you love God. You, know, you want to talk about your love for God, but you're not obedient to what He says. We ought to be motivated to speak the truth from a place of love. We love God. Right? If we have that relationship, we're going to do it in the right way, whatever way He would have us. Maybe it's motivated by a love for others. What do you mean by that, preacher? Um, how about this one? Confronting false prophets. I'm going to give you a new, a new context on this, all right? So Matthew 7.15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes and figs from thistles? Now here's what we often think. We apply that simply to the church you got to watch out for false prophets. Somebody will come up here, and there's a lot of false prophets in, pu- in, in, in pulpits today. They're speaking lies. They're deceiving people. They're all out there. You don't even have to look hard to find them, okay? They're just speaking flat-out lies, deceiving people. But I'm going to give you a different twist on this. What about all the false prophets who are out here today in this world around us who are speaking truth? We're speaking facts. And it all contrary to the Word of God. They're false prophets. They know best. 
okay, we realize that a kid shouldn't vote till they're, uh, what do you got to be to vote? 18? 18. You got to be 18 to vote. But you know what? If that little boy says he's a little girl, they should be able to have surgery to be a little girl at five or six or seven or eight or nine or 10 or 12 or whatever. They're, they're false prophets. Now, what do we do with a false prophet? We, we, in the Old Testament, they stoned them. That would, my, <laughs> I didn't say that from the pulpit. They did in the Old Testament. They stoned them. But folks, what do we do? We speak truth in love. We're motivated by love. Why do we sit back and keep our mouth shut when there's stuff going on that's wrong and we know it's wrong? I have people ask me, what do we do today in this culture? How are we going to change the things that are going on? Well, if we sit back and don't do anything and don't say anything, we're not going to get anywhere. We have to speak truth motivated by love. It has to come from a place of love. Well, well, maybe what you said, you, you preacher, that was kind of harsh what you said to them. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm not concerned with not being harsh with, with people that are deceiving these kids. I'm concerned my in love, my motivation of love there is for those kids who are being lied to, who are being pushed that homosexuality is okay. I mean, if you're a cat, you think you're a cat, then you're a cat. That's not helpful to, to lie to kids. They tell them that, oh, well, you have these feelings. Listen, how can you tell a, a little girl who's struggling with that? And maybe, maybe I know so many girls who were tomboys growing up, right? Some of you in here are probably going, I was. Right. Were you a boy? No. Are you a man now? No, you were a little girl. Little boys, man, they grow up. They don't know where they want to be next week, tomorrow. They don't know if they want to be a dump truck or Spider-Man. <laughs> they don't know. It changes. And yet they're being told, oh, well, you know, do you, they're grooming them. Oh, do you have feelings of this or that? Oh, well, you, you know what? You're a little girl. You got parents who are, who are taking their kids and having them changed. Do you not see the satanic hand in that? It is to mutilate the image. We are God's image bearers. It, and it, and it's, it's there to, to mutilate that. And now they're, now they're no, longer, no longer can they have children. How many of you have never thought, really thought of it that way? That's the speaking the truth in love. We love those kids. The things that are being pushed on them today, they're being told there is no God. That ought to put us in arms. We're, we're, we sit back quietly and allow this to go on because we don't want to open our mouths and offend. Well, you know, we, we have bought hook, line, and sinker. Don't judge. Stay out of politics. Don't be harsh. You have to speak in love. You, what you said hurt my feelings. You shouldn't say that. We've allowed them to shut us up. You're, you're asking me, what do we do? Well, we don't shut up. We speak the truth motivated from a place of love. I don't love creeps that molest kids. I'm not going to speak to a creep who molests kids in a mushy, loving way. I'm going to speak truth, and it's going to be motivated from love, but it's to protect others. Does that make sense? Preacher, you're getting hard. Okay. How about the unborn? We do a lot to try to... We don't do enough. 
I, 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 you know, we've allowed the, the rhetoric for so long about, about preborn life, the people who are growing in the womb. We've allowed the rhetoric for so long to be talked about that that's an embryo. It's, they use the scientific terms. It is. But it's an embryo of what? Of a baby, of a person, of a human, of a soul. We've allowed that to go on for so long, the talk, that a, that a, a large chunk of, of people in America today may not necessarily be for abortion, but they're not against it. Because they've, they, they're the frog in the pot. Because we haven't spoke truth in love. I don't love those folks in the abortion clinics killing children. I love those children because God loves those children. We have to speak the truth in love. Human sex trafficking. I've had several questions. What do we do, preacher? I don't know what we do. But I know that, that we right here can't stop 2 million children a year from being sex trafficked. But maybe we can stop one. Pastor Aaron had a great quote he shared with me this week. Not my favorite uh, preacher, but um, truth is truth. And Andy Stanley said this. He said, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. So I'm going to reach out to our sheriff. He came a few years ago and talked to us about the drug epidemic. So I'm going to reach out to our sheriff and see if we can't get him here on, a, on an off night and, and then let you know and invite you to come in and let him come and share with us what to look for. Because, folks, this, this human trafficking is not a, a, a situation that's just happening in other countries. It, it, I, I'd be shocked if there wasn't some form of that going on even in, our, in, in the Geneva zip code. So what do we look for? And what do we do? We continue to speak truth in love, motivated from a place of love. You with me? And then there's love for the person you're talking to. It may be a Christian who needs a speck removed from their eye. You do it out of a place of love. You care about them. Again, you gotta you judge righteously. You make sure, you know, make sure your nose is clean and you've got the plank out of your eye before you go you go telling somebody else, say, make sure you're right with the Lord, and then and then you can go to clearly see and help them to get the speck out of their eye. You ever you ever seen you know somebody gets a speck in there, they get a little sand in it, they won't help. They won't they're like, come hey, come here, come here. You know, and you're like, like, I don't see anything. We can see clearly when we walk right with the Lord. Maybe it's that person that needs a speck removed. Maybe it's a Christian that needs to be restored. We're we're cannibals in in the Christian community. Somebody makes a mistake, we cannibalize them. That's not the first step. First step is to try to restore them. If somebody falls in sin... Our job is to try to help restore them. Now, if they just say, I, ain't, I don't want nothing to do with it. If they reject that, they push away, we do, then we go through the steps of church discipline and we go further. But the first thing we should try to do is restore somebody. Because it might be me. It might be you next that needs that. We should care about them enough to do that. Maybe somebody needs to be encouraged or challenged. We need to speak the truth in love. But for lost people. Now, I want to say this. I hear people say, I've heard people say this, and I haven't heard anybody here say this, but I've heard this in the past. I love lost people. I just love lost people. Can, I, can, can we be honest? 
Everybody in here, if we're going to be honest, would probably say, now, I like so-and-so, but I don't love them. I don't love that person. You know, there's, there's differences in their personalities that clash. There's a lot of that. Um, and in the, in the body, we go, I don't like that person. I have to love them. You know, I have to love them. Ha, ha. We do that. But we're going to talk about we love lost people. Can I just challenge you? I, I, don't, I don't care whether you love lost people or not. What, preacher? I'm going to tell you what matters. It's exactly right. God does. John Reynolds, who was here for our mission conference, he shared a story. I've shared this before, but he shared a story years ago. And he talked about one of my best friends, his oldest son, Alan. And Alan, when he was a little bit thing, had a Pillsbury Doughboy. Remember Pillsbury Doughboy? Woo! Had the Pillsbury Doughboy. And uh, he had a little doll. And, and that little doll, he, he lost it. And so one night they're trying to get him to, to sleep and he doesn't have his doll. And he's like, he, he, he was not to be uh, consoled. He, he just was not, there was going to be no rest that night. And so John tells the story, he said, so we looked the house over, I didn't find it. We'd been outside, he said, it must be outside. I mean, so it's at night, it's dark. He said, I got the flashlight and I go out and I'm looking for this, this doll for Alan. And he said, I finally found it and brought it back to him. He said, let me, let me tell you why I did that. He said, I didn't love that doll. I didn't love that doll. I didn't go out looking for that doll because I loved that doll. I went out looking for that doll because someone that I love dearly loved that doll. And he went out to find it. Folks, that's the motivation of love. Our love for God that says, when he says, go out and make disciples, go out and share the gospel with this lost world, that's what we're to do. How can we say we love people we don't even know? I get the idea of that. There are people who go to the mission field. They love the people of Papua New Guinea before they ever step foot there. But they don't even know people yet. You, you, you get to know people and you develop that love for them. You don't get what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be cold in that about not loving. But we talk about we love it. Well, really, if you love lost people, where is your soul winning? And I'll say this, whether you love them or not, we're commanded to by our Savior to go make disciples. So that's the motivation. Speaking the truth from a place of love. Motivated by love. Amen? Amen. Pastor Aaron, you can come. Jim. There's some couple of things for us to think about this morning. First thing is, is if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm, I'm speaking to you from a place of love for God and, and, and genuinely love for you that this morning... This morning, you, you, I would plead with you to step out and come down here and let me take the Bible. Let one of our men take the Bible. Philip would love to sit down with you in the Bible and, and walk you through the gospel and introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. If, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you, don't, if you don't know that you know that you know that if you died walking out the doors this morning, where you'd spend eternity, that you'd be with God, you need to deal with that this morning. That's the most important thing. Now, for us as believers, you know, my question would be, go, th- go, you don't have to bring it back up, but thinking about that slide, ha- have I spoken truth, but I just don't, I'm, it's not from a place of love? It's about me being right. It's about me just feeling like that's what I'm supposed to do, but it's not motivated by it. Maybe that's something I need to get right with God this morning. Maybe, 
Maybe I've gone too far the other way where I'm so concerned with loving people that I've, I've left off speaking truth. I'm afraid to tell truth. I don't want to offend them. I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to push them away. Folks, it doesn't matter if you push them away or not. If you're not telling them truth, what are you pushing them away from? You've got to speak truth. You've got to present it to them. They can't be changed if they don't hear the truth. So where are we at in that? Maybe, I, maybe I'm, I'm speaking truth with no love. Maybe I'm speaking love with no truth. I've got to get those back together. Maybe my motivation's wrong. Maybe it's just been about me and not about a motivation of my love for God or my love for others and doing what the Lord would have me to do. And so this morning, here, here, that, that, that's the challenge as we think about those things. Am I really, am I speaking the truth in love? With my spouse, with my family, with my friends, with my neighbors, with my, my church family. It's not an optional thing. We have to speak the truth in love. And so wherever we're at in that, I think this morning is a good time for us to, to think about that and think about where we are with, with, on that spectrum and to have a little reset this morning and get back to that place of truth and love. The two go together. So this altar is open this morning. As we, as we sing, we're just going to keep an attitude of prayer. I'm going to ask you just to have your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you want to have some prayer right there where you are. Maybe you want to respond to what God's doing in your heart. Maybe there's someone you want to pray for. Maybe you want to come and confess something so that you can get the, 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 the log out of your eye so that you can go help get the speck out of a, a brother or sister's eye. Whatever it is, respond to what God's doing in your life this morning. This altar's open. Father, I pray that you'll move now. In this time of invitation, you'll bless, you'll work. God, I've tried to be faithful to, to share what you've burdened my heart with. And I pray, Lord, that you'll do now uh, in our hearts what only you can do. May we be obedient this morning to respond to your leading. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just remain seated.